Coming up on Modern Veterinary Practice. One of the things we struggle with in the vet industry is actually charging for our time or having the confidence to charge for our time. And, and that's a massive psychological barrier for a lot of vets of actually, you know, you know, recognising that your time is worth money. Um, so while we're building up that, you know, that confidence, that psychology in vets, while we're doing that with our, you know, our young graduates and our teams, almost at the same time, I'm saying to our leadership team, look, guys, it'd be a great idea if we didn't charge for any consults um, up front, not be all in the, in, the, in the health club. Welcome to Modern Veterinary Practice. I'm your host and veterinary IT expert, Jack Peplow. In this week's episode, I'll be talking to Matthew Flan from Pennard Vets about pet health clubs. And I'll also introduce you to Fiverr, an online marketplace for freelancers, where you can find everything you need to outsource the jobs that you just don't have the time and let's face it, skills to do. This is a total game changer and we should know we use it all the time. One of the goals of this podcast is to help drive efficiencies into your veterinary practice. And I've got a great suggestion of a platform that can help do just this. The platform is called Fiverr, and it's a marketplace full of highly skilled freelancers from all over the world. It works by enabling you to pay in advance for jobs or gigs in Fiverr's terms in replacement for a digital service such as WordPress design, writing services, transcriptions to even voiceover work. In fact, a large proportion of our marketing is produced by freelance professionals on the Fiverr platform. From the design of our ebooks that are full of lots of insightful knowledge, such as considerations when choosing a PMS, to our telemedicine comparison guides, as well as the designs of our fantastic veterinary IT services website. Just for this podcast alone, I work with multiple experts, from the audio editor who somehow makes me even sound presentable, to the designer who creates our artwork for each episode. I suppose what I'm getting at here is that without these multitude of experts around me, there's no way I could produce such high quality stuff. I simply just do not have the skills to do it, and I definitely do not have the time. This frees me up to work on what I should be working on, enabling and assisting my clients in developing their technology and their business rather than faffing on something that I'm not skilled to do and will take me triple the time. The Fiverr platform can be used in so many different ways within your veterinary practice. One example is that you could share the raw content of a blog or ebook with a copywriter that can format it in a way that your clients could better understand. You could then share this content with a graphics designer who could put it in a visually appealing format, such as a digital ebook, which then of course you could print. You could even find someone to create you some engaging hold music for your phone system to educate your clients on your pet health club to increase awareness. If you wanted to be ultra creative, you could even hire a virtual assistant that could take some of the lower priority or even manually intensive tasks away from you, freeing you up to focus on developing the veterinary practice. There is one word of warning though, it may take some time to find the people that you work best with. My suggestion is that every time you're doing something for the first time, e.g. you might be putting together a new puppy owner's pack, send a detailed brief of what you want across to at least three people you like on the Fiverr platform. The chances are at least one of them will come back with something you like. You can then add them to your favorites list and you know next time if you need something similar, you have just the person who understands and you know the quality of their work. As I've mentioned, this is a clever platform, but it's not the only one out there. However, it is a platform me and my marketing team work with and can definitely recommend. So do check it out. The interview. Hi, good morning. It's Matthew Flan here. I uh, am the managing director at Panad Vets. Um, we're a practice in Kent um, and we've recently, recently become employee owned, which is very exciting. Um, I'm a vet myself with 20 years experience um my personal journey into the leadership world 
was uh, through managing a, 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 the branch I was in um, many years ago and gradually um, doing more and more. And then eventually uh, I uh, stepped into the shoes of uh, the, the, the previous uh, partner who was leading the practice. So I, um, I currently run the practice with my two colleagues, Andy Green and Callan Collins. Cool. Matt, really great to have you on the show. Um, can I start by congratulating you on, uh, you and Pennard Vets on becoming an employee-owned trust? Um, I mean, that is a serious feat in its own. And obviously, it wasn't meant to be a topic that I was going to be talking about today. Um, but and, and in fairness, the topic itself deserves its own very own podcast episode, so I might have to get you back on. But can I ask you quickly, what drove you to go down the employee-owned route? Oh, so it's a really interesting question. It's really quite complex, in all honesty. Um, it's something that we've we've thought about for for quite a while and really actively pursued for maybe a couple of years ago. My feeling as as a vet is that you know we've always worked in teams. Clinically, you're on the ground. You work as a team. You help each other out. And the most efficient teams are the ones that look after each other. Um, in all honesty, and. As we've grown in size in the practice and as, you know, we, we get more and more employees and, or, or team members in, in reality, um, it was harder and harder to have that connection. Um, so it became more and more important, really, that, you know, we should maintain those values. So we started asking questions about it and we were hitting brick walls and, you know, in quite, quite a lot of the time. So we had to go on a journey of discovery ourselves. And uh, the more we looked into it, the more we learned about it, the more we wanted to do it. Yeah, so, I think it's absolutely fantastic. Um, I, I think, well, and again, massive congratulations and, and what an exciting time to be at Pennard Vets. Thank you. Um, so if possible today, I really wanted to talk to you about pet health plans. Um, for me, as someone who works in the veterinary industry, but who ultimately is from a different vertical, I'm very familiar with subscription models as it's very much the foundation of my business model. Mm-hmm. Um, ultimately, subscriptions drive convenience and peace of mind if set up correctly, as you know, ultimately what you're spending and what you're getting. In fact, we as individuals are surrounded by subscriptions uh, now with things like Netflix, Amazon, Spotify, to name but a few. And these subscriptions are only getting more popular and well-known, especially due during the pandemic. So back to health plans and indeed kind of almost back to basics. I personally have my own dog or dogs, I should say, um, and obviously can see the benefits for me from a consumer's perspective. But why is it that you feel these plans are so beneficial for vets? In all honesty, it helps us do the right thing um, and and to do it easily. Um, So it, 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 it lowers the barriers, if you like, for the phrase, which I hate, actually, I hate the phrase of gold standard care. But um, it's, you know, that that's what we used to use in the, in the days when we got it off the ground was that um, we, we wanted to give the clients an easy way to access the type of care that we provide for our own pets ourselves as, as vets and nurses and team members. You know, good fleeing worm control regularly done, you know, um, you know, just and, and, and just great service. So and, and blood tests for, for older patients, all of us in practice. We're routinely doing after-age, older-age blood tests our own own um, animals, our own pets. But for some particular reason, we didn't think we would do it all the time for our, our patients that we're looking after. So, you know, that's why we put that on the plan, for example, for the seniors, which it was against the grain at the time, it was against the advice. But we wanted to treat, you know, our clients' yeah. pets like we treat our own. No, that's absolutely great. 
And and I mean, it's interesting because you didn't mention anything about financial, which is which is really interesting. But um, obviously, I'd imagine that pet health plans are obviously a win-win situation with regards to bringing in consistent mon- monthly recurring revenue for a veterinary practice and for your patients who perhaps receive more consistent preventative healthcare. Have you noticed a difference in the health of your patients as a result? Yes, we have. In, in terms of um, it's it's the actual health of our patients is more, more anecdotal, I would say, rather than um, evidence-based. Yeah. Um, I think there are lots of studies out there now to show the financial um, benefits of, of, um, you know, of pet health clubs, um, both on the preventable kind of side of medicine um, and also on the actual you know, sickness spend as well, if you like. So we get a lot more engagement with our clients when, you know, when 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 they sign up to um, the pet health club. The actual number of times they come into the practice in the year before they sign up compared to the, the year after they sign up is is quite significant. Um, it, it just means that they're better bonded with us, they're better connected and, you know, which which can only help us care for their patient, you know, their, their pets in a better way. And, you know, they are, they are, more invested in the practice if you like as well so that's very positive and i'm sorry jack if i if i answered that question or if i just gone off on a tangent yeah no no you absolutely have that's perfect (laughs) um okay so going on to something that's i would say extremely unique about penard vets or one of the many things i should say um is the fact that you offer consultation inclusive health plans um, am I correct in thinking that you were one of the first to do this? Yes, um, I, I understand that. I think we were the third practice in the country to do it, um, and I and I, and I did speak to to other people, the, the two other practices first, to see how they were getting on, and they were very positive with it. One of them was a, a, a large practice up in Scotland um, with with multiple sites uh, like us, and uh, another was a smaller practice um, in in London, and they both spoke about it very favorably um so well i wasn't i wasn't we weren't the first to to jump into it i i did have to do some persuading internally within our within our leadership team <laughs> because one of the things we struggle with in the vet industry is actually charging for our time or having the confidence to charge for our time yes and, and that's a massive psychological barrier for a lot of vets of actually you know you know recognizing that your time is worth money yeah so while we're building up that you know that confidence that psychology in vets while we're doing that with our you know our young graduates and our teams almost at the same time i'm saying to our leadership team look guys it'd be a great idea if we didn't charge for any consults yeah. um up front not be all in the, in, the, in the health club um and so so in all honesty that was like one of the biggest psychological barriers we needed to overcome but um, like a lot of these things, my my gut feeling was that it was just absolutely the right thing to do. It, it meant, you know, on, on, on lots of fronts and it, and it was a step into the unknown. And, you know, it was a, a big leap um, because you had to get, you know, a, a lot of practices take an awful lot of uh, their fees in as, as consoles. Yeah. Um, and to all of a sudden have that diminished. And I think at the time we were up to around 20% penetration of our active client base with the pet health club. So we weren't just talking about a couple of hundred patient, patients here. We were talking, you know, a couple of thousand, I think, at that time. Yeah. Um, so it was, it, was, it was interesting times. And uh, the reason why, we, the, the reason why I, uh, we believed it was such a good idea was that it was going to lower the barrier for entry into the practice. Um, and we were expecting to see patients much, much sooner in, in, the, in the illness 
um, in question, if you like. So yeah. um, we, we've all been there where it's five o'clock on a Friday and we get the phone call where the dog's been vomiting for a week <laughs> um, and it's the weekend and they say, oh, we don't worry about it. So we're expecting to see those types of cases two days earlier or three days earlier. Yes. The, the diarrhea is two or three days earlier. And I, th- and, and, and I gen- genuinely believe that we see, you know, uh, fewer cases with advanced you know, diarrhea, for example, or those foreign bodies come in, come in earlier and, and, and we can head off the disease sooner. I suppose from a financial point of view, there's less money spent on making the animals better um, by yeah, the club, yeah. which you say is not, is not great. But, uh, but the reason we're vets is to keep pets healthy um, and to do the right thing. And, you know, you've got to do the right thing. Um, that's, that's our job. So it's, that was a big, big factor, the driving force. The financial element, the, the subscription element to it, on the flip side, by doing the right thing, then the finances kind of follow that. Yes. Um, so I, I'm, I'm very grateful that we've had, you know, pretty much 20 to 22% of our income is on subscription. And that's I'm, I'm very grateful of that, wow. you know, in the last 12 months through COVID, because that, that has been a lot of help to us. Um, and I think the subscription model has yes. been a, a lot of help to a lot of practices across the country, those who have really invested in it. Yeah. 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 No, that's brilliant. So, I mean, obviously I'm totally sold by the idea and actually I'm going to be checking with my vets to see if they offer something similar. Um, yeah. But I'm wondering if you always get that kind of positive reaction. Do you come up with much resistance from clients? And if so, how do you overcome it? To be honest with you, we don't have a huge amount of resistance because I, I think so many of them realise how, how positive it is. I, I, I don't know the exact number, but often, um, you know, and, and, and I'm not so comfortable with this idea in, in all honesty, but some some members of the team do say to clients, well, you just need to come in two or three times and it's paid for itself kind of thing. But, yeah. but it, it, to be honest with you, it's clients mainly take it on because the value it offers, um, the, the, the value and the quality yes. of service it offers, the access to us. Um, they can come in at any time when they want and, you know, and, and for, for no reason. So things that are worrying them, they can come to us sooner about it. And it's, it's, it's reassuring, it's peace of mind. Um, and it means we can do our, do our job better. Yeah. When we actually converted from, so with, we, we have, I mean, our, our pet health club has always been fairly substantial anyway, in terms of what we offered. We, we wanted it to be good. Um, and we wanted to be, you know, to, to, to actually offer the same type of care that we offered our own pets at home. You know, so I've, I've got dog, I've got dogs at home. I, I want to look after them properly. And that's the kind of ethos we, we, we started with. So our older, you know, our, our older patients after the age of eight has always included blood tests and urine and blood pressure and things like that, which, you know, does make it more expensive. Um, and, and clients know that, and they accept it, and they and they engage with us on those terms. So it's it's kind of the same thing. Um, they they know that they're getting great value um, with, with it. When we did the conversion from our normal pet health club onto the you know unlimited consults, there was a, a price increase, a, a, a substantial one to, to pay for it, um, and we got um, a reasonable number um, you know dropping off the plan at that stage. But at the same time, in the same month, we actually had more people join us than leave us because they, they, they wanted it. So in, in, the, in that month of changeover, we actually grew, um, which nobody thought would happen. Yeah, yeah. Um, but 
there was that there was that much desire from those page those clients who weren't on the Pet Health Club um, that they wanted to be part of it at that stage. So that was that was really positive. Yeah, no, but I mean it's it's not surprising because I mean ultimately you want the best for your animal. And I mean I don't know about you, but my my attitude and it's funny, you know, it's the same thing I come up against actually on a regular basis is that. Um, vets are very price conscious. They're really wary about what they charge. And, and sometimes, you know, they almost avoid charging for things is what I've noticed. And it's bonkers because, you know, from my perspective as a, as a pet owner myself, I'd pay anything for my animal. Uh, I, I, I'd love it to absolute bits and, and I would do absolutely everything for it. And so to have that opportunity where actually you're making my life easier in the sense that you're opening access to to your team to your expertise to keep my animal well so like you say you know my, my dog can be treated earlier rather than me thinking okay well i'm just gonna leave her a couple more days because she's probably gonna be okay you know rather than the waste of the vet's time i actually know actually you've opened up the doors and and also from a budgeting point of view it makes it very easy because i know what i'm going to spend there's no sort of unpredictability there so i think it's a, a brilliant idea and i'm really not surprised in in the mass uptake um so mm. Uh, obviously from uh, an owner perspective obviously it does sound great like I said I'm very much sold by the idea Um, but I can imagine that without the right tools it might be a fair bit of admin for staff how have you kind of overcome this you know are there any tools that you'd recommend to sort of manage the the the, the health plans themselves oh it's a very it's a very good question so we've always had a a third party collect our money for us um and and do all the signing up and we were with the same company in fact, in fact te- i suppose technically we still are um with the same company right from the beginning and that was important that that company has, has since been taken over by an, another company okay. so you know we're, we're seeing how that goes so having that you know i, I needed that reassurance that that money was going to be collected properly and i didn't want our name you know being being sullied if you like um by, yeah. by by any mistakes a third party would make um so that that, that was important um in terms of tools in, within the practice i mean there was an awful lot of training going on in the, in the early days you know the more the team understood why it was good was 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 really important the first year we 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 started it the i have to say until until we actually put the consults into the pet health club the it was it was a it was a product um it was a vehicle for saving money yeah. if that makes sense and that's how it was seen by the team a little bit um not completely but a little a little bit that way and that's i think how they found it easier to sell it to clients if you like or to advise clients on it because they would save money um since yeah. the consoles have gone in that's kind of gone out the window a little bit because you know um if clients are coming in for 10, 10 consoles a year, you can't really add up and say look you're going to save so many hundreds of pounds um, not easily. Yeah, yeah. So it's actually about value um, and it's about access to our expertise, you know, easily, um, in all honesty. So yes. um, it's very much a value proposition nowadays. But um, so the training around that, the, the tools the team have around that in, in that respect is, is, is very important. Yes. From an experience, from my experience, um, in terms of in terms of these things, um, I think there is definitely a tipping point in the culture of the practice where it just becomes, you know, um, de-, de facto that clients will be on the pet health club, and it's more common for them for clients to be on the on the pet health club than than not, if that makes sense. Yes. So once once these things become part of the culture, then you know you, your, your battles won, and that goes with the pet health club, or that goes with 
other technology like um, like PetsApp. Yes. Um, so we have we have a really high penetration of of PetsApp users within the practice. Um, I think we've got sixty five percent of our clients okay. signed up to it. Um, but that's that's a a culture thing, and it's the same with the pet health clubs. So um, to 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 vaguely answer your question, I think the right tools in place is to have the right culture, which is a bit of a wheezy Weasley answer, but um, yeah. it's kind of true actually. If you have to have the right culture in place for the team to have the confidence to adopt new things, yeah. Well, they have to believe in it, otherwise they're not going to push it, are they? Ultimately, makes complete sense. Yeah. So finally, quick question, and it may not be overly quick. Um, As I mentioned at the start, I'm very familiar with subscription-based models, and we've obviously adapted our subscriptions in many different ways. Do you feel there are any other subscription opportunities within the veterinary space? Oh, it's a really good question. Um, (laughs) And one that excites me quite a lot, because we've talked within the practice about lots of other opportunities for for subscription, but I haven't, or we haven't done anything with them at the moment, okay. Um, primarily because I, I keep or, or we keep talking ourselves out of them, um, and um, and I, I'm yet to be convinced about other things. I think in a perfect world we would go to a completely subscription model. Yes, and, and I, I think that is where the future is. I just need to kind of understand what that looks like, yeah. though. Um, and I keep coming up with certain scenarios in my head. Um, I've yet to be brave and talk to too many people about them, but. Um, it, we'll have to see. We'll have to watch. No, it all sounds really exci- exci- exciting. But Matt, what a great interview. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you very much. Recommended reading. Every week we ask a veterinary professional to suggest a best business book for our listeners. And this week's recommendation is from veterinary expert extraordinaire, Alan Robinson. That's a really, really difficult question because like I, I, I read vor- voraciously, voraciously. Um, yeah, you'd think I'd be had better mastering of the English language with all my reading, um, but uh, and I, like I said, I could go right back to probably when I first got uh, involved with personal development. That'd be *The Road Less Travelled* by M. Scott Peck, um, which is a classic in its own time. There's Stephen Covey stuff, of course, *The Seven Habits*. But I would say probably the couple of books I've read recently that have been most profoundly influential in what I do is one is called How Emotions Are Made, The Secret Life of the Brain. It's by Lisa Feldman Barrett. Um, And it gives a really interesting and slightly controversial view of how the brain works and how emotions are formed and how we manage those. So that's one I would recommend if you're interested in the the neuroscience of it. Um, And I might be getting a little bit morbid, but the other thing I'm really interested in if we want to build um, repair systems and mechanisms for this um, and like trying to lift people out of the the mental health realm, um, things like uh, The Body Keeps the Score. It's a book about trauma, transformation of trauma, which sounds a bit morbid, but it's a really, really interesting read by Bessel van der Kolk, D-A-N-D-E-R-K-O-L-K. the Body Keeps Score, Mind, Brain and Body and the Transformation of Trauma. It's a really useful book. If you're a parent, it should be mandatory reading, I should suggest. Coming up next week, we welcome behavioural psychologist Andy Edwards, who is here to talk to us about change and leadership in the veterinary sector. And one of the most effective ways of, I believe there's about seven or eight ways of being a leader without which you've got a problem. Um, one of the main ways is to have one-to-ones regularly and often. And people say to me, well, 
What's a one-to-one? I said, 20 minutes. 10 minutes. But it has to be at least once a month. Yeah, but I do that on the shop floor. I do that in the office. I do that in the practice. I say, right, and so you should. That's a, that's called a casual catch-up. But that's not ring-fenced, quality time, one-to-one, looking somebody in the eyes and asking the, the biggest leadership question you can, which is, am I letting you down at the moment? That's it for this episode. All links and recommendations we talked about are in the show notes. Don't forget to subscribe and share the podcast if you found it useful. In the meantime, thanks for listening and see you next time.